Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. So UConn back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2016, and they get a matchup against the Maryland Terrapins. So Emily, thanks for coming on to give us the lowdown on this year's Maryland team. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I I know this Maryland team has had a really interesting year, it seems. They've got some great wins, some not so great losses at times. What's been the general story on this Terrapins team this year? Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to make it to the tournament. They started the Big Ten season four and nine, um, and it seemed like they had a tough road ahead. But really, when you look at the schedule rationally, you can kind of step back and say, oh, wow, they played Michigan twice during that time. They played Illinois. They played Wisconsin. They played a lot of these really good Big Ten teams, Mm -hmm. and the schedule was totally front loaded. So I think it was a combination of the schedule and then also them just figuring out how to play. So the biggest thing people will notice with Maryland is that they just don't have a center. They often play with a lineup in the tallest guy six, seven, and that really held them back in the big 10. But I think as the season went on and, and they started to win some more games, the coach is just really committed to like, Hey, let's just play the small lineup, shorten the bench and really lean on defense. And, and that was kind of what sparked the turnaround. Um, so there's definitely progress as the year went on, but always a little, a few worrisome games where you're kind of like, wait, this team looks a lot different than it did a few nights ago. So you never really know what you're going to get. Yeah, no, just from looking out, looking at the schedule there, it's like towards the end, you lose to Northwestern and Penn State, and then you go out and beat Michigan State, who, who's looked like they were kind of turning a corner there too. So it definitely seems like uh, it's kind of been uh, a tale of two teams and seeing which one shows up that night. Right. And, and beat one at Illinois without their leading score. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, I guess that's basketball, but it's just kind of like, yeah. who knows, who knows. When it, when it comes to leading this team, I, I know you mentioned, you know, they don't really play with the center. I know their guards are pretty big too, which is going to be interesting, a, a really interesting matchup because the UConn guards are a little smaller. They're quick. So they've got that, that uh, on them. Uh, but then again, when it comes to some of the big guys on UConn, they'll, should hold a a rebounding advantage. And how do you kind of see that battle playing out there based on what you've seen of Maryland this year and the teams they've gone up against? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the game right there. It's like, can Maryland's length on defense, like rattle UConn's guards enough that it kind of compensates for what I think is going to be a huge mismatch, um, particularly with UConn's offensive rebounding. Um, but really just in general, like Maryland just doesn't really commit to that. Like they know, um, probably not going to get too many they just rather get back on defense um but that's what i'm fascinated to see and the whole like daryl morcell james uh book night is gonna just be so fun um and daryl morcell has been really good when he has played those like elite scores like i think he just loves it um and he's also a great defender so i think i think how well maryland can rattle them there with kind of that like defensive length um will will be really interesting. Yeah, and what you mentioned there with the Marcel book night matchup. I think that's the one everyone's looking at going into this game. You got a NBA lottery pick uh, potential there going up against the defensive player of the year in the Big 10. And and that's just one I think everyone, especially this was what's what March is made for there. Yeah, and and that's, you know, I I've I've only watched you kind of a little bit, but they do seem like a team where they have a talented group of guards, but really if you can stop book night, it, it seems like that's gonna be Maryland's primary path to trying to win this game. And Daryl Morcell has been really great in some of those matchups. Like he, he had 
held Marcus Carr to one of his worst games of the year. And then back last year when he played Marcus Howard from Marquette, he was really good. And it's almost like just kind of depending on how well that matchup goes, it should be, it should be really interesting, but it'll be really fun at least. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. And book night, I know had probably his worst game of the season against Creighton in the big East semis. And he seems to be pretty fired up wanting to make his mark. So when you have both those guys going all out, uh, I think it just makes for a really fun, fun matchup to watch during the game. In, in terms of Maryland's style of play, how would you say they play under Mark Turgeon this year? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think I would say they don't play fast. I mean, they play pretty slow. They play small lineup with five guys who can shoot threes. And they really love when they get that mismatch with like Dante Scott plays at the five and Mm -hmm. he's one of the best three point shooters. So if they can get him kind of matched up on the perimeter against a big guy who, you know, maybe isn't as quick or or just gives him an advantage that's been working really well. And then Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins were particularly good in the Michigan state game with trying to get to the rim. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're not just like a straight up, let's just shoot a bunch of threes team. They're really athletic. Um, and but but that's all like offensively when really I think if you ask anybody on this team they say like they're going to win games with their defense so when they just fully commit to to that um they're great but the thing they switch so much so like Turgeon says like for their defense to be great which it can be like mm-hmm. all five guys have to be great so it's almost like that margin of error for this team it's like they can yeah. be so good but they also kind of need to have like four guys playing great offensively at least. Um, and then they need to all be really locked in defensively. And when they do that, they're great. But, but when one of those things isn't working, it, it can kind of go downhill pretty fast. Yeah, no. And for, for UConn fans watching, I think this gives them some flashbacks to the matchup they lost against St. John's earlier this year when St. John's went small. Adama Sanogo, the big guy, uh, had some trouble going out by the perimeter and uh, that was something St. John's was able to exploit down the stretch. So it's going to be something there that that's interesting to watch. Yeah, uh, no, I bet that's a game like Mark, Mark Turgeon watches and it's like, ooh, I like this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I obviously didn't watch that game, um, but no, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely one I'm sure he, he's looking and trying to, to pick apart there. I know I, I lived in the D.C. area for a bit under uh, the start of Mark Turgeon. I know it's not always the smoothest road with him in Maryland fans. What's kind of the, the feeling around the program this year? Yeah, it's fascinating. I've been on the beat three years and it's never not been fascinating. <laughs> Even when they had a great team last year, it's just like the question that haunts everybody because, yeah. you know, the reality is like Turgeon's been here 10 years and he's only made it to the sweet 16 once. And, and I think people feel like for a program that won national title, um, in 2002, like you feel like they should have done more. Um, what's really hard is that last year is the team that probably could have done it or if nothing else would have offered some clarity, right. It would have been hard for that team to just achieve. It seems like they either would have gone to the tournament and given everyone so much confidence with an elite eight run or whatever it may have been, or they would have lost really early and people would have been like, how do you do that with this team? But we didn't get that clarity. So instead, Mm -hmm. You just kind of have this team that seems to have, or this program that has a pretty high floor. You know, they're never bad. Like Maryland has had tons of consecutive winning seasons long before Turgeon got here. Um, but they also haven't really made a real run at, at winning a title. Like they hadn't yeah. won a conference title until last year. So the Turgeon question is just ever present. He has two years left on his contract after this year. So like something will have to happen in the off season. Yeah. Um, 
And it is 100% the most often asked question for anybody in the fan base. It kind of is um, draining how, how often I get asked about it or just everything like that. Yeah, I remember even early on it was always being asked. And I, I can only imagine it's picked up even more so uh, uh, of late. In terms of the team, one thing I, I forgot to ask earlier that I'm, I'm thinking about now, what's the depth on this Maryland team like? Are, are they going deep into a bench? No, no, <laughs> that's, that's one of, again, it, it really, I think the thinking of this is like no margin of errors, like such a great way to describe it because they have like seven and a half guys okay. who play, you know, like sometimes they go to Reese Mona, who's like a former walk-on um, now on scholarship, but it's kind of turned into that eighth man. Whereas like last year he was the type player who would like make a three in a blowout and the students section would go crazy. <laughs> and, and like, he, he had he doesn't mess up he doesn't shoot a lot of shots but like he mm-hmm. is in the right places like they trust him like he has a role but like that's their eighth player and and they really I mean those five stars are playing like over 30 minutes every night and and they need them um so no so to answer your question not very deep um never want guys in foul trouble um I think that was I don't think Maryland would have been Michigan in the Big Ten mm-hmm. tournament but Daryl Morcell, like we've talked about, was on the bench the final, I think, 750 of the first half. And that was when the game really slipped away because he had two fouls. And honestly, maybe he should have stayed in the game. Um, but they really just can't afford that with, with the depth they have. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, I really appreciate the time given the quick uh, down low on Maryland here. I think UConn fans listening will kind of see this is kind of a classic 7-10 matchup. You'll Here's some things throughout this that are like, oh, yeah, we definitely can beat Maryland. And then there are some things where, hey, maybe there are some signs to pause for a little bit. But I, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I know these teams have played each other a number of times, uh, both in the tournament and uh, just during the regular season, too. So I think it should be a fun one. So, Emily, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, no problem. I think I think the game's going to be great. I'm, I'm personally really excited for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, Emily, thanks again and uh, enjoy the game.